Tourism has been hard hit, but so has fisheries, maritime navigation. But people that live on the coast can't leave, you know. We had a huge influx of sargassum just come in. For most people, it is a problem. It's truly a gold mine. There's still a, a great need to further invest in our innovators to really drive this innovation and experimentation. We're not quite there yet. I'm Connor Lennon, and you're listening to The Lid Is On from the United Nations. For this episode, we went to the eastern Caribbean island of Barbados. Countries like Barbados are often described as frontline states in relation to climate change because they're the first to be affected by extreme weather events and rising sea levels. Over the next four podcasts, I'm going to be looking at some of the issues facing Barbados and what's being done with the support of the UN to help the country to deal with and adapt to these problems. In Barbados, I stayed at a hotel on the eastern side of the island, a resort high above the coast. You actually need to take an elevator or six flights of stairs to get down to the beach. Trouble is, once you get down there, the experience is not what you might hope for. The sand was pretty much covered with sargassum seaweed, which gives off an unpleasant smell. And when it dries out, it attracts flies. So not really great for tourists. I saw people there trying to rake up the seaweed, but there was so much that it didn't really seem that easy to clear it. And in any case, there was plenty more out at sea waiting to be washed ashore. Unfortunately, this is a problem for much of the island, particularly on the eastern coast. I was even told that some hotels on the eastern side have to bus their guests over to beaches on the west that are slightly less affected. We're seeing an uh, influx here. Um, it might not be as severe as you would see on the East Coast. Dr. Shelley Ann Cox is a fisheries management specialist and she's also acted as a consultant for the UN. She's been studying the sargassum problem for several years. It's coming in pretty steady and usually during the night you come back and would see it stop quite high. She invited me to a place called the Boardwalk on the south coast. Now the coastal area is full of restaurants and tourist attractions, but here again, there is also a huge amount of sargassum. We first start seeing sargassum about a decade ago in 2011. Um, not in the quantities we're seeing it this year, 2022 is breaking records in terms of the amount of biomass reaching our shores. Yes, tourism has been hard hit, but so has fisheries, maritime navigation as well. Um, but coastal living is one of the sectors we don't really focus in on because these people that live on the coast can't leave, you know. And the tourists can leave, but they have to go through this, this smell when it's decomposing as well. It's unsightly, um, it decomposes, it releases hydrogen sulfide and ammonia gases, which has caused respiratory illnesses and hospitalizations. Um, so it is definitely an, a hazard, you know, it starts on a beach, it has impacts to the environment as well, turtles as well, but coastal ecosystems, reefs, seagrass beds and mangroves have been, over time, um, been significantly affected by sargassum influxes. What happened to create the situation? Okay, so it's really a combination of factors. You would see a lot in the literature, um, can't come to a consensus of this is really the cause. It's a combination of factors from, of course, a symptom of climate change. The increased sea surface temperatures are contributing to its proliferation. Um, we have um, 
nutrient loading. The new sargasm source region is in the tropical Atlantic, not the Sargasso Sea in the North Atlantic. And it's being fed by the Congo and Amazon rivers, um, as well as some changes in currents that will bring the sargasm um, to the Eastern Caribbean, especially which is more hard hit. But now our neighbors, um, in, as far as Mexico um, are being significantly impacted and so there has been you know some papers um, saying that Sahara dust also contributes to sargasm because of the iron that will be in the dust um, West Africa um, especially Ghana and Sierra Leone they have seen significant influxes as well um, so they are also grappling with um, this this significant issue um, but yes the, it being a combination of factors leading to these sort um, significant influxes and of course it is this the science is catching up as well as the management of it catching up we know with emerging issues it takes a while to get the research done to try to mitigate some of the impact so I, I would still say we're kind of fall, still lagging a bit behind as in the way to really address it and manage. Of course, we've heard about all the opportunities that exist and some innovations. Um, for instance, you know, taking sargasm and using it in a multiplicity of uses from agriculture um, to bioplastics um, to pharmaceuticals but still there is not a use that really takes the biomass needed to alleviate the impact. Fisheries management expert Shelly-Anne Cox. One entrepreneur on the island is convinced that sargassum can be a valuable commodity on Barbados rather than simply a problem. He's Joshua Forte and he's the founder of Red Diamond Compost. I had my eye on producing a seaweed, you know, seaweed fertilizer, seaweed extract as a future product you know, something that we would do down the road. But I was having some challenges with getting the composting set up at the scale I wanted that I know would, you know, economically make sense. And around that time, you know, button a lot of brick walls, we had a huge influx of sargassum just come in. And I was like, well, okay, this raw material is just coming up to the shores now readily available you know what, it may be best for me to switch gears and just focus on developing a product out of that scene. It's, it's just all over the place. And that is how I kind of pivoted from focusing on the compost at that stage and other soil amendments too, going into the, the liquid um, solutions and how I could develop something from the sargassum, started to learn about, you know, the properties, the characteristics of it and stuff like that. And, you know, is there any real benefit of it um, from it that can be gained from it for plants and for crop production. And what was the answer? How useful is it? Sargassum is extremely useful for plants. We had some trials done with peanuts. It was almost what you would call like freakish results in terms of the growth. What we were used to seeing happen when we were growing peanuts was you would have the main the main merry stem coming from the peanut and then you would have the smaller stems branching out into the soil where i treated the peanuts in the solution first to, ger to you know to germinate them 
we got like four and five of those Mary stems coming out and each of those started branching off and producing more roots. And then when we actually planted that, oh, we were getting like four times the amount of yield that you would normally get from, from just regularly planting peanuts. So that was like the first signs. And then we were hearing reports of some farmers that were taking it and using it. And some of them were get, seeing like these type of drastic um, results with, I think it was either bananas or planting that they were growing. So that's where, where things started out. For most people, it is a problem, it is a nuisance. You know, I just see it as, uh, it, it's truly a gold mine, you know. I've spent many times going out harvesting early in the morning, like 6 a.m. And you're just looking at all of it just on the beach and it's like, wow. And there's absolutely no one else out there. <laughs> but still, the the gap there for, for most of us in terms of dealing with the sargassum is the infrastructure that is needed to handle that whole harvesting process, um, you know, harvesting and storage process, depending on, on how you're, you're going to be using it. For, for us, for Red Diamond, we, um, you know, I'm not one to, to wait around for anyone else, you know, we would we would push and we would advocate and get behind us and, you know, try to urge them to to see the, the value and the need um, for the investment in the infrastructure. But yeah, we, we right now are going out and, and hauling it ourselves. I know some of our, our early adopters for the for the seaweed biostimulant that have been knocking on our doors to try to get it, they're going to be really excited. Joshua Forte, CEO and founder of Red Diamond Compost, a Barbadian company which is turning the sargassum seaweed problem into a valuable commodity. This is one example of the ways in which the private sector can be part of the solution to problems such as sargassum and other environmental issues. And that's why the UN Development Programme's Blue Economy Accelerator Lab, which explores the use of innovative tools and technologies for sustainable development, is supporting these kind of initiatives. It's run by Nicola Simpson. The lab is all about, or it's evolving into an R&D function, a research and development function. And we're all about experimenting and testing what works and what doesn't and trying to learn and co-create solutions at the grassroots level. In terms of sargassum seaweed, we've been working with a lot of innovators. Some are using sargassum seaweed and fish offal, fish waste, to create biofuel, for example. Others that we've been working with have been using the sargassum seaweed for biostimulants and fertilizers in the agriculture sector. We're also seeing sargassum seaweed uh, used in um, personal care products and soaps. So there are a range of you know, solutions that individuals, innovators, communities are coming up with on a small scale level. There are also national level initiatives working to uh, sustainably collect the sargassum and, and turn it into primarily biofuel. Really, really exciting things going on uh, with the sargassum seaweed. I think we've realized it's here to stay and we need to find solutions and, and hopefully reduce the impacts that it's having. Now the UN Development Project is there to kick these things off, to pilot projects, but to really make a difference and really scale up, you need to have the support of the private sector and the government. Is that happening in Barbados? Yes, yeah, so there really has been, I think, a, a drive in the past few years 
it's, I would still say it's in its infancy and we're really trying to create this culture of innovation, this innovation ecosystem. But there has been support from private sector and, and government and I think this is developing and we're hoping that we will continue to see more of this because many of the innovators uh, you know, still mentioned that there are a lot of challenges to get their experiments to, to the next step. So really, as, as you said, we try to bring everyone together, support them with their ideas, take them to the next step. So I think yes, uh, it's starting, it's progressing, but there's still a, a great need to further invest in our innovators within the space and for everyone to come together from the innovators themselves to public sector to private sector to really drive this innovation and experimentation mindset and, and support that enabling environment to do so. We're not quite there yet. Nicola Simpson, head of the UN's Blue Economy Accelerator Lab for the Eastern Caribbean, which is based in Barbados. Dr. Shelly-Ann Cox also says there's lots of work to do, but she's hopeful that, with the right backing, Sargassum will no longer simply be seen as a blight on the coastlines of Barbados. It has been 10 years, but we still don't have specific budgets to address Sargassum. It's really a crisis reaction. So then when, you know, there's years when Sargassum isn't much, you know, the response planning kinds of falls by the wayside. But of course we know to address something like this, um, I mean, they, it's <laughs> thinking about the, in 2018, when they first referred it to it as a Great Atlantic Sargassum Belt stretching over 8,800 kilometers. This is a significant problem and one that needs to be addressed with consistent efforts and strategic thinking. It must be an intersectoral collaboration as well, um, but you know that we are still working in silos when addressing problems, but because the impacts are multi-sectoral, we need to have you know, more than one person at the table um, to address this kind of issue. But in theory, it could be a, a positive be. for the Barbadian economy. Yes. Imagine Barbados having, you know, the, the best sargasm that can produce um, high-quality products. So um, we, we want to be on the cuffs of the innovation. We need to communicate and in the way that policymakers would understand. And we've started to do this, but it's really, a, you know, very needs to be consistent. Need to really provide the advice that they will need in the format that is best for them fisheries management expert Dr Shelly-Ann Cox. Another form of pollution that's affecting the coastal waters of Barbados is pesticides. Over the decades, pesticides have been allowed to run into the sea pretty much unimpeded, which has had a negative effect on the coral reef. Next time, we're going to head to the Barbados National Botanical Gardens, where the government is using local plant life to improve the situation with the help of a UN programme. That's on the next episode of The Lid Is On, the flagship podcast from UN News. Don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already and head to our website for more stories on the ocean, the climate crisis and much more. That's news.un.org.